0: This is Steve Wilson, and we're going through the book of Matthew. We have worked our way up to Matthew chapter 14. Uh, This is a halfway mark, we get through chapter 14, it will be anyway, there are 28 chapters in Matthew, so this will put us halfway through. Sorry, I needed to get a drink right quick there, got me a big glass of uh, grapefruit juice. I know a lot of you think that's gross but I happen to like it and so I've got a big 32 ounce tumbler of it right here try to keep myself hydrated so anyway we're in chapter 14 and uh, we're going to uh, talk about Herod for a little bit verse 1 it says and at that time Herod the Tetrarch heard of the famous Jesus uh, of the fame of Jesus so um, Jesus's reputation is getting around people are beginning to know who he is we're gonna be addressing the feeding of the 5,000 here in a few moments so he's attracting some pretty good-sized crowds Um, they're hearing about the miracles and whatnot that he's performing so of course they're flocking to him And you know that's not so unusual even today you know I watch these uh, miracle healers etc and they always seem to draw these huge crowds, and of course, it's all centered around the miracles that they're going to perform. People are coming to get healed or whatever, and uh, I, you know, I'm not going to get all into that. But you know, i just, just other than to say that these guys are false teachers. What they're doing is not real. The miracles are not real; they're fake. Uh, the gospel they're they're spreading is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the point is, people come because you know they're looking for physical healing. Uh, they're not looking for spiritual healing. Of course, in the day of Jesus, uh, Jesus was genuine, and he always applied it properly and uh, would use it in the right way, at the right time for the right purpose. So. Um, But either way, it was still drawing a crowd. And uh, the people that were coming were not necessarily saved people. I'll even have maybe a thing or two to say about that in a little bit. But anyway, here we are. Jesus is becoming quite popular. Everybody's heard about him. Herod has heard of the fame of Jesus. But notice how he reacts. Verse 2, it says, And said unto his servants, This is John the Baptist. He's risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him." So, to begin with, we see right away how superstitious Herod is. Uh, And he goes on to explain why, because he says, uh, you know, he indicates that this is John the Baptist, and he's raised from the dead, so he's already believing that people could be raised from the dead, come back from the dead. You know, sort of like today, people believe that you can die and come back in a different form and that sort of thing. It's not true, but, you know, a lot of people believe that. So Herod falls prey, you know, but that's not so unusual for someone who is influenced by the Roman rule. Uh, Herod wasn't a Roman, but certainly was influenced by the Roman rule because, you know, they were the ones in charge and allowed him to do what he was doing. And he answered to them. Caesar was his ultimate boss. Um, and, but, you know, Roman teaching along religious lines is, of course, based on mythology. So, you know, that's all fake stuff. So it's not unusual that people would believe in this sort of thing. So um, he, he explains why he thinks it's Jesus or John come back from the dead. He says, for Herod had laid hold on John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. Um, what had happened was um, Herod saw Herodias, who was married to his brother Philip, and uh, had his brother killed and took, took Herodias from him because, you know, he wanted Herodias. And so John had approached him, in verse 4 says, For John said unto him, It is not lawful for thee to have her. We uh, and when he would have put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. See, he was, he was afraid um, of what might happen, but I'm getting a little ahead of myself. For the first three verses here, the thing that I want to point out, you know, I've already laid the foundation. Herod was superstitious, so, you know, he, was, he would uh, lean towards um, insecurity and um, I- emotional things and that sort of thing. Um, but he was afraid of John. He was afraid of John the Baptist. Uh, Herod feared John. And he feared John so much that he couldn't see who Jesus was. Um, and the reason he feared John is because he could impact the multitude. And we'll talk about that in the next section here because he feared the multitude also. But, (laughs) See, in the position that Herod was in, it was kind of a shaky situation. Um, The only thing Caesar really required was that you keep the peace. I mean, you know, Herod, he allowed Herod to be king of the Jews, but only so long as he could keep the peace, as long as he could keep everybody under control and collect the taxes. That's all Her. That's all Caesar really cared about. So if there was insurrection or some unsettling uh, movement or event or something like, like like that, you know, it could impact it could impact Herod and his position. Well, the people had heard John and heard his message, and he was having an impact on the people. So when John came to Herod, told him, he said, "Look, what you've done is wrong. You can't." You you know, Herodias was your brother's wife. It's unlawful for you to have her. He wanted to kill John, but he was afraid to because of the impact that uh, John would have upon the people. He could, you know, have him uh, create problems. Um, And this is a typical response to the voice of opposition, when John comes to him and tells him what he's doing is wrong. It wasn't just wrong lawfully, it was wrong morally. And, um, you know, when people hear, that's why people don't like to hear that, you know, when you tell them that they're sinful creatures, uh, that's basically what John was doing. Their reaction is oftentimes negative, and basically what they want to do is they want to eliminate the the opposition. So. He wanted to kill John. He was afraid to do that. But he did have him arrested, put him in prison, simply because he didn't want to hear it. You know, he didn't want John to start spreading this stuff around. It was one thing for John to come to Herod and tell him that he was wrong, but it would have been quite another issue if John had gone to the people and begun to tell them. Now, I don't believe John would have done that because that wasn't John's job. His job was to preach repentance and preach the coming of Christ. of course, Herod didn't know that. So Herod put him in jail. And so notice what happened. Verse five, and when he would have put him to death, he feared the multitude. So secondly, first of all, he feared John the Baptist. Secondly, he feared the multitude. And I've kind of already explained that because if there had been some sort of insurrection, it would get back to Caesar and it would would put his job in jeopardy. Um, But it says he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias danced before him and pleased Herod." Now, there's a lot been said about the kind of dance she did, and have whether it was just a normal dance or it was some sort of an erotic dance or whatever, but the Bible doesn't say. All we know is that she danced and he liked it. So much that it says in verse 7, "...whereupon he promised an oath to give her whatsoever she would ask. And she, being instructed of her mother, said, "'Give me here John the Baptist's head, in a charger. Um, so, uh, well, let me go ahead and read on just a little bit. And the king was sorry, nevertheless, for the oath's sake, and them which sat with him at meat, he commanded it to be given her. And he sent and beheaded John in the prison. And his head was brought in a charger and given to the damsel, and she brought it to her mother. So, Herod was afraid of... Uh, the multitude because Rome required him to keep the peace. Um, the insurrection, he was afraid of the people because he was afraid of Rome Then he was afraid of the people because you know they could affect the peace. And he was afraid of losing his power. Um, and I'm sure the type of person that we've kind of already seen who he is, power was a big deal to him, you know. It, it, it meant a lot to him to, to be in that position. He was uh, emotionally unstable when it come to that sort of thing and uh he certainly didn't want anything to uh, to upset that but i think also what we see here was he was afraid of failure um you know had he had this had he done something with john and caused insurrection and lost his job and all that. He would have been considered a failure, but it was it was more than just losing his job. I think it was a personal thing. Um, he just couldn't handle being a failure. So what he did is, you know, when Herodias did this, it actually, whether he knew it or not, um, he it kind of gave him an out. You know, if he if he didn't keep his word, if he didn't keep his promise that he had made, and of course he had no idea that's what she was going to ask. So, you know, it kind of blindsided him. But if, if he didn't keep his promise, then he would show him as being weak or vulnerable. And uh, he was afraid he'd lose respect. So, you know, that's what tells me it wasn't just his fear, his fear of losing his job, it was it was it was a personal thing that you know it was a pride thing that he didn't want to lose respect from the people. See, fear. There's two kinds of fear. One is a is a fear of respect, like we have for God. You know, we fear God. The Bible talks a lot about fearing God, but but it's from the from the standpoint of you know the fact that we are in awe of God, and that's the kind of fear we're talking about. But the then there's also the kind of fear that causes us to re- retreat, and it brings out the true, the true person. Any kind of fear does, you know. One is is the strong person. One is the weak person. And the kind of fear that brings out the weak person is what happened with, with uh, Herod here. You know, it it showed him to be a coward. Um, so anyway, you know, and that's what happens, you know, when when something comes before you that, that you, you truly fear, that you're afraid you're going to be overcome, you run, you hide, you do whatever you can to get away from it. Uh, in this case, Herod tried to put him in prison and then eventually, of course, put him, you know, put him to death, had his head chopped off and put his head on a charger and gave him to. Uh, Gave him to Herodias, Herodias' daughter, and then she, in turn, took it and presented it to her mother. So, you know, they got what they want. Ultimately, Herod really got what he wanted because now John's out of the way. The problem is that still leaves Jesus, which he had to deal with. Any, you know, later, he finally had to realize who Jesus really was, and and then we're, we're going to start talking about, of course, Jesus. And there's an overall message in this chapter. Uh, 14 here, but I think I'm probably going to hold that off until the end. Um, and, you know, we're going to get into this thing about the feeding of the 5,000 because that's what comes next. Um, because it says, uh, where are we at? And it is in verse 12, and his disciples came and took up the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. When Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. When the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the city. So that's how this whole situation came about—the with the feeding of the five thousand after this incident had occurred, and then Jesus went out of the city. The people followed him. You know, they—they they were looking to, uh, you know, to get some kind of healing, to see some kind of miracle, um, and um, they got out there, and you know, ended up, you know, finding out the disciples wanted to send them home, but. We'll get into that later, but what I want you to see right now is what fear does to you, what superstition does to you. The fact is we have a God who overcomes all of that. Um, and, and we have a God who is gonna watch over us and deliver us and guide us and care for us. Um, and, and unlike Herod, of course, rather than understand who Jesus is, that would this fear of John the Baptist and this fear of the multitude and uh, his, his his fear of failure; these things prevented him from seeing Christ. So, if we get wrapped up in the things of the world, the things that we're up against in this world, we're not going to see Christ. Even as Christians, we're not. You know, we may be saved, but we're not going to see the things Christ wants to do in our lives. And so, you know, we'll we'll talk about that a little more as we go forward. So, right now, we're at the end of our time. So, we'll wrap this little segment up. Hope it was helpful, and we'll see you next time when we pick up in. Uh, Matthew 14, I think around verse uh, 13 or 14 from there. Um, Goodbye and God bless.